It was the day the world changed and a new experience of normal was born. The day when lives were impacted forever and the world found itself turning upside down. The day which left no one unaffected. Everyone knew someone who'd been moved. It may have started in one city, but it soon spread and went viral. To live through these moments has been described as dramatic, inspiring and energising, yet correspondingly intense, hard and sheer exhausting. When surveying both the scale and speed of the change, words that came to mind were surreal, with many finding themselves pivoting in response to facing new unprecedented scenarios. We might think we were living in the first half of 2020, but the events I've just described were actually only seven weeks after all of history is redefined. Welcome to Pentecost. For some watching, you may not know this, but Pentecost is one of the three great Christian festivals. First, there is Christmas, when we celebrate and remember how God came to be with us as a baby, Jesus Christ. Secondly, there is Easter, when we celebrate and remember how much God is for us, when Jesus Christ died on a cross and then God raised him back to life three days later. And then thirdly, there is Pentecost, when we celebrate and remember Jesus's promise of how God would come to live in us in the power of the Holy Spirit. I find it helpful to think of those three festivals in this way. Christmas as God with us, Easter as God for us, Pentecost as God in us. Amongst all the changes, which occurred at Pentecost, the greatest change was this. The shift from the particular experience of the Holy Spirit to the normal experience of the Holy Spirit, or the exceptional experience to the everyday experience of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Let me try to explain. Before Pentecost and throughout all of the Old Testament part of the Bible, the role of the Holy Spirit was focused upon the particular. He came upon particular people for a particular purpose, for a particular period of time. Usually those people were prophets or they were kings or they were priests or they were judges. So the Holy Spirit came upon Samson to give him strength and power. The Holy Spirit came on Isaiah the prophet to give him words to prophesy to the nation of Judah. The Holy Spirit came upon David when he was king. But the Old Testament also looks forward to another day, to a new day, that would arrive with the Holy Spirit falling upon all people. It was this promise. Jesus confirmed to his disciples repeatedly in that last week before his death and how he kept telling them this even after he was raised back to life, even to the extent that the last promise he said to the disciples, in fact, the very last words he said to the disciples before his ascension, he said to them, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. This was the promise that was fulfilled at Pentecost when the Spirit of God fell on everyone gathered in the upper room. It marked the dawn of a new age. And in this sense, Pentecost was initiatory and cannot be repeated. But in another sense, this 
experience can and must be repeated in the experience of all who become followers of Jesus Christ. Over the next two weeks, I want us to see four ways in which this Pentecost experience is then worked out through the rest of the Old Testament and then throughout all of history, all the way through to the present day of our lives, as if it is now the new normal. Here's the first. On the day of Pentecost, we read not some, but all were filled with the Holy Spirit. He is the reason. He is the only reason why the disciples are then able to go out and turn the world upside down for God. You only need to read the book of Acts to see the result. Here's now how this same message is then played out in the rest of the New Testament with the command given to all believers in the book of Ephesians to be filled with the Holy Spirit. How does this happen? Here's how. The moment we say yes to becoming a follower of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes to live within us. Think of him in the sense as being like a pilot light being lit in the boiler of who you are. And the pilot light always stays on. But we read we also need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. To be one who is filled with the Holy Spirit, think now of the boiler, not just with the pilot light on, but as if it's been ignited into action and fired up to give heat to the rest of the radiators in the building. This is what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit and to live the new normal. And this command to be filled is is continuous. In other words, the boiler should be always ignited, giving heat to the radiator. So to think of it, this illustration in another way, it's about being as if you're filled up to the top, but you're also as well filled to overflowing. Think of it as if a tap is going into a bucket and once the water reaches the top of the bucket, you don't turn the tap off, but the tap just stays on and the water just keeps overflowing. It's a wonderful picture of vitality of what can be in our lives, of, the, of us as we go about and wherever we are pouring out. Holy Spirit, life and joy. Holy Spirit, peace and power. Holy Spirit, hope and love wherever we are. On the day of Pentecost, we read the, how the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the disciples led to some people saying that the disciples looked as if they'd had too much to, wine to drink. When I then look at the context of the command in the book of Ephesians to be filled with the Holy Spirit, it is written in contrast with not getting drunk on wine. The implication being this. The evidence of being filled with the Holy Spirit should be as obvious in our lives in exactly the same way as too much alcohol is obvious in someone who is drunk. Next week, we'll go on to look at three other ways we see this new normal of the Pentecost experience being worked out in the disciples' lives, then through through the New Testament, right the way through to the present day of our lives. But where does this leave us this morning? Maybe like those first hearers, you find yourself asking like they did, well, what does this mean to me? 
I want to suggest from the text of Acts 2, the response could be either of two ways we saw at Pentecost. It could be to sneer, to sneer as if to say, oh, it's just the alcohol talking. And you laugh the experience off as foolish or try to belittle it. Sadly, I found even Christians who do this. You may even turn your nose up and scoff at it as if you don't need Jesus. Well, listen, if you, if you don't need Jesus, he has nothing to offer you. There were many who thought Jesus' message was foolishness. Yet I wonder how many bad heads there are today at this time in the morning because such a worldview has been found wanting. The other option we have is you can do what the others did on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 to be precise. And you can call on the name of the Lord for his salvation. For everyone who calls out to him receives his spirit in them. And then you just keep on asking Jesus to fill you with his Holy Spirit. For me, this involves a daily invitation together with seasonal, deeper encounters with the Holy Spirit. It means in part to pray daily. Come, Holy Spirit. It's not a command. It's barely an invitation. It's just an appeal to know God's presence in your life who will sustain you in the everyday. I also, though, find occasions in my life when there are deeper moments, richer moments, special encounters when you experience a deeper anointing of the Holy Spirit upon your life. They are very precious. I remember one of those occasions happened to me a year last February when I found myself on a Wednesday afternoon in February in a medieval village church in North Wales and the Holy Spirit just came and fell on me as I was praying and wrestling with something. Another happened in March of this year. This time I'm not alone, this time I'm gathered with thousands and the Holy Spirit came upon me and quite literally he knocked me off my feet because he wanted me to drink from him in a rich way. The Holy Spirit comes to bring blessing and anointing, refreshment and love, peace and joy to your life and my life. Why wouldn't we say yes to his invitation? Shall we pray? Maybe as we pray together, you just might want to open your arms, open your hands to receive all that the Holy Spirit wants to give you this morning. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, breath of God. Come like a rushing wind into our homes. Come, fire of God. Come like a tongue of fire and fall on us now. Come in your presence and fill us to overflowing with your joy and your peace. Come and reveal how deeply you love us. Come in your power and equip us to boldly proclaim God's gospel with renewed faith.
In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray.